Welcome to the Faith Life Fellowship Podcast with Dr. Scott Forrest. Today, Dr. Forrest talks to us about Palm Sunday and passing the baton. We are a church growing and thriving, overflowing with love, strengthening the family, transforming the community, impacting the world, where every member is a minister and a church alive is worth the drive. All right. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now, I just want to let you know, as a preacher, I kind of resist the pressure that is put on me to preach according to the so-called Christian calendar. You know, I think you should preach whatever the Lord gives you for that day. But the two exceptions I can think about are Easter and Christmas. How can you not talk about the coming of Jesus, how can you not talk about the risen Christ, okay? So I do have something for you that coincides with Palm Sunday in a wonderful way that you probably hadn't thought of, and I'm going to share that with you for just a few minutes just so that I can say that I talked about Palm Sunday on Palm Sunday. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, there's the picture of Jesus riding in on the donkey, He went through the gate beautiful into the city of Jerusalem the last week of his earthly life. Amen. It was 1986 years ago exactly this day. How can I say that with such precision? How can I say that with such confidence? Why is it that this always intrigues me every Palm Sunday? I think about something called the 70 weeks of Daniel. How many have heard of the 70 weeks of Daniel? Raise your hand. All right. How many leave your hand up if you understand the 70 weeks of Daniel? Okay. It's not, not, not that many people do. And, and I'm doing my best to educate the body of Christ, to educate this flock about the 70 weeks of Daniel because it's found in Daniel chapter 9 and it's probably in my estimation the most astounding prophetic word that you'll find in all the Bible. Amen. Between 538 and 539 B.C., Daniel, who was in captivity in Babylon with the children of Israel, began to pray. He was reading the book of Jeremiah, and he found out through the book of Jeremiah that the time of captivity was coming to an end and he was praying about the people of Israel returning to their homeland. He was praying about the future of his people. He needed some answers. I think he was looking at the scripture and, and, and saying to himself, well, if the time is coming to an end, our captivity is coming to an end. I don't think we're ready to go back to our land. So we need to be ready. So he started praying and asking the Lord for wisdom. He was fasting and praying. And in Daniel chapter 9, an angel came to answer that prayer. And I tell you what is very fascinating. I don't have time to go into it in detail this morning. But that angel gave Daniel way more than he asked for. He just wanted to know how we're going to handle the transition of being in captivity and returning to our homeland. But the angel gave him not only the near future of Israel, he gave him the far future of Israel. He gave him the time that Jesus would come the first time. And he also talks about the time that Jesus would come to earth the second time. He got way more than he bargained for. 
But in verse 25, the angel tells Daniel about something called 70 weeks. And he says 69 of those 70 weeks will pass from the time that the proclamation is given for the Jews to return to their land. 69 weeks will pass and then Messiah will come. Okay, so let me read that to you. And I know some are going, huh? And I'll explain what I mean by that uh, as we study this real quickly. Daniel chapter 9, verse 25. The angel said, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah, the prince, shall be seven weeks and threescore and two weeks. The street shall be built again and the wall even in troublous times. Now, you sort through the King James and you find out that seven weeks and three score and two weeks, you put all that together and it's 69 weeks. But here's the thing you have to understand. Otherwise, it makes no sense because nothing of any significance happened after the Jews returned to rebuild Jerusalem 69 weeks later. Okay, so you have to look at it prophetically. Jewish and Christian scholars alike acknowledge that this is 69 weeks of years. Each week consists of seven years, and they are Hebrew years, lunar years, 360-day years. Everybody with me? So the angel says that 69 weeks after the proclamation goes forth to go and rebuild Jerusalem, Messiah will come. So you take 69 weeks and you got to do some math. Amen. I'm getting ahead of myself. Basically, when you break it down, uh, the, the angel was saying that Messiah will come 483 years after the command is issued to rebuild the city. The city of Jerusalem, he said, will be rebuilt, but in troublous times. All right. 444 B.C. Get me to that slide. Artaxerxes, the king of Persia, issues a command to Nehemiah the first day of the month of Nisan. That's March or April because it has to coincide with the Passover in our in our calendar. Artaxerxes issues a command to Nehemiah the first day of the month of Nisan to rebuild the city and the walls of Jerusalem and God's prophetic clock given to Daniel by the angel begins to run. And you can read about that in Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 1 through 8. All right, here's my favorite part. Y'all know I used to teach math at the college level, right? Doing the math. The Jewish calendar was based on a lunar year of 360 days. Our calendar is based on solar years of 365.242 days in a year. All right, so doing the math, 483 lunar years times 360 days is 173,880 days. You take 173,880 days, you divide it by 365.242 days, and equals 40. 476 years and 25 days. You take 476 years and 25 days and you add it to 444 B.C., keeping in mind that you're going to go from B.C. to A.D. in that transition, you come up with the 25th day of Nisan, 32 A.D. 
We Christians call that day Palm Sunday, the day that Jesus rode that donkey through the gate beautiful in Jerusalem exactly 1986 years ago. And thank God he did. Amen. Hallelujah. So this is what I came up with my math. When I first studied this, a couple of years later, I ran across a book by Dr. Alva J. McLean, a Bible scholar who kind of knew more what he was doing than I did. He did the math and he came up with Palm Sunday, 33 A.D. Well, it turns out there was a calendar error that I failed to account for. So I was one year off. But I say not bad for an amateur. Amen. Amen. So what to make of all this? What do we what do we conclude when we hear that? Well, here's my take. What man came into the city of Jerusalem claiming to be and celebrated as the promised Messiah on Palm Sunday in the year 33 A.D.? There's only one candidate, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Amen. Hallelujah. There's only one answer. Now, it shouldn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that if Daniel prophesied the coming of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, even predicting the exact day that he would enter the city of Jerusalem over 500 years before it happened, you can take it to the bank. And if you're honest with yourself, the only thing you can conclude is this. Jesus Christ is Messiah. Jesus Christ is risen. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is alive. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, in a sense, when Jesus rode through that gate the last week of his life, he was going to prepare a way for us to receive the Holy Ghost. Isn't that right? Wasn't that the end result of his death, burial, resurrection, and ascension? He was able to send the Holy Ghost to earth so he could reproduce his ministry through billions, not just one person. Amen? So if you're saved and filled with the Spirit, you can thank Jesus for paying the price for that. Amen? Hallelujah. So in a sense, when Jesus entered that gate, he knew it was the last week of his life. And he knew he was paving the way so that he could pass the baton of ministry from himself and his disciples to the church. He passed the baton by sending the Holy Ghost to empower us to carry on his ministry. And that's what I'm going to talk about for the next few minutes. Passing the baton. Amen. Hallelujah. So I want you to listen up, and I want you to hear the word of the Lord to you this morning. This is a word that the Lord impressed upon my spirit about a week ago. I had something else planned I was going to preach on, and I probably would have developed Palm Sunday in 70 weeks further than I did, but the Lord said, no, just give him a giblet and talk about passing the baton. Amen? It's our responsibility. Now, I know that... This is going to sound like I'm aiming this at the older ones in our midst, okay? But I'm really not because even the younger ones will become older ones sooner or later. 
My oldest daughter, Marcy, used to crack on me about how much older I was than her. I'm 29 years older than she is. And one day I just retorted back to her. I said, that's all right. I may be 29 years older than you, but I will never be more than 29 years older than you ever. She's like, what do you mean, Dad? I said, you're going to get older, too. She's like, I didn't think about it like that. Amen. Hallelujah. So those of us that are in the older generation, listen, if you're spiritual, if you're born again, spirit filled man or woman of God, you got to know that it's your responsibility to pass on a legacy of the spirit and the word to the next generation. And you can't take that lightly. It is a responsibility that God will hold you to. Because I believe it's the will of the Lord for there to be perpetual generations that bring the glory, that bring the power, that bring the spirit and the word. Perpetual generational revival until the coming of the Lord. If the Lord tarries and he's a while before he comes back, I believe that there should be generation after generation after generation that celebrate the word preach the word and walk in his power and walk in his spirit. Amen. And the only way that's going to happen is if one generation passes to the next and then that generation passes to the next and so on and so on until Jesus comes back and sets up his kingdom here on planet earth. Amen. Glory to God. So let's read Joshua chapter one, verse one through eight as a springboard to talk about our responsibility to pass our spiritual legacy, our heritage to the next generation. Now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying. Now, there's some things I noticed there in another translation, so I want you to read it in the New American Standard Bible. It says, Now it came about... After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying. Now, I don't know about you, but I noticed that the word servant was mentioned there twice. I like the way that the New American Standard renders this verse because it makes it clear that Moses was the servant of the Lord and Joshua was the servant of Moses. Amen. So there's a hierarchy of leadership that begins at the top with the Lord and goes down through the leaders that God has appointed over us. Amen. Don't get me wrong. We all report to the Lord, but there is a hierarchy of leadership that he set up. And one of the ways that we can serve the Lord is to serve the leaders that God has placed into our lives. Amen. Notice also that Joshua, the son of Nun, was the servant or the minister of Moses before he became the successor to Moses. He served Moses before he succeeded Moses. That says to me that if you're going to be in leadership, you're going to have to have a record of faithfully serving those in leadership. It's just God's way. And one of the chief benefits of serving the leaders that God places into our lives is the transfer of the anointing and the heritage or the legacy that is passed down to the next generation of leaders. 
Everybody with me? Verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. So after decades of serving under the leadership of Moses, it was now time to pass the baton to the next generation, which would now happen under the leadership of Joshua. Amen? And God was short and to the point when he spoke to Joshua. Moses, my servant, is dead. You know, and I think what was implied in that short and relatively blunt statement was this. I think it went something like this. Moses, my servant, is dead. And as awesome a leader as he was, he can't do anything for you now except inspire you to be the best leader God called you to be. It didn't mean he wasn't awesome because he was. But now his time is over and it's your time to take the reins of leadership. Amen. Glory to God. Think about what an awesome task must have been before Joshua. We're talking about Moses who went toe to toe with Pharaoh, who was the leader of the dominant empire at the time, the most powerful empire in the known world. And he went toe to toe with Pharaoh, poured out 10 plagues. Amen. Called water out of the rock, led the Israelites through the desert. People who opposed his leadership were swallowed up in the desert floor. I mean, you know, that's pretty awesome if you think about it. It's, it's terrifying, but it's awesome too. And then he splits the Red Sea and leads them to safety. And then the enemies of the Lord are destroyed by the same sea that saved them. That's a pretty awesome record. That's a pretty awesome resume. And God's response to all of that is, Moses, my servant, is dead. That was wonderful. It was great. It was awesome. But now the responsibility is on your shoulders, and it's your time to take these millions of my people into the land that I promised them. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. I like that. In other words, I believe God was saying, the same word that I gave unto Moses is the same word I am given unto you. The land that I promised unto Moses is the same land that I'm promising unto you. Amen. Glory to God. Verse 4. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even unto the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Did you hear that? Nobody will be able to stand against you. Nobody. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. Amen. Listen, if you've been called into leadership, God says the same thing to you. I will not fail you, and I will not forsake you. I'll give you everything you need to succeed in the thing that I've called you to do. So you can be the person God called you to be, 
You can do the thing God called you to do. You can build the thing God called you to build. And you can reach the people God called you to reach. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Woo. Praise the Lord. Verse 6. Be strong and of good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. I have to say amen before I read on. That's just too awesome. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Amen. Listen, did you hear that? Three times the Lord tells Joshua to be strong and courageous. Three times. Anytime you see something two or three times in Scripture, the Holy Ghost wants you to pay notice. Be strong. Be of good courage. Your strength is mine. Your courage is mine. You have nothing to be afraid of. No one will be able to stand against you. Amen. And in between the second and the third time he tells him to be strong and courageous, he tells Joshua that having a hunger for the word of God would be the key to his success. You got to be strong. You got to be courageous. You got to be strong in the spirit of the Lord, but you also got to be strong in the word. Amen. You can't have one without the other. So why is that significant? And why is that germane to the topic of passing the baton? Well, if you do the math, and I'm so glad some of the older generation showed up here this morning. I'm just glad because I thought, well, what if only two or three of our older couples show up? This is going to be a message that might be, you know, wasted somewhat. Again, I say, you younger folks, this is coming to you too because, you know, you will be getting older. The years are passing for you as well amen dan are you 40 yet anywhere near oh no sir he's like affirmative 40 will come one day 34 okay all right i knew he was early 30s i just had to chide him somewhat hallelujah hallelujah so if you do the math Joshua was pushing 80 when he led an army of men who were in their 30s, 40s, and 50s. He was much older than they were. But I submit to you, that was by design of the Lord. All of that anointing, all of that impartation that rubbed off of Moses onto Joshua was now in full effect. And that anointing and that legacy of the Spirit and the Word was being passed on to the young 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50-somethings. Amen? Glory to God. Remember, everybody that was age 20 or older died out. 
So the group that Joshua led in was relatively young compared to him and Caleb, the only two old guys. Amen. Glory to God. I should say older guys. You know what? I came up with a definition for old that I think you'll like. Old is your current age plus 10. So you're never old, you know. But the people are your current age plus 10 or more, they're old. All right. So it'll carry you all through life. Don't worry about it. I like what my my pastor in Louisiana, what his wife would say. If you didn't know how old you were, how old would you be? I thought, that's awesome. That means age is a state of mind. It's just a number. Amen. And if Joshua was pushing 80 and he led these young pups into the land of Canaan, if he could do something like that, then we can do whatever God's called us to do now, regardless of the digit that's attached to our name. Amen. I heard one preacher say it like this. I've just entered my 71st level of serving the Lord. I thought that's an awesome way to put it. Amen. And he's blowing and going. He's charging, taking no prisoners. He's doing great. Hallelujah. Ha ha. All right. So in order for those younger generations that he was leading to conquer, develop, and hold the land that God had given unto them, they would need two things that Joshua already had in abundance. Number one, I know I'm sounding like a broken record. Those of you young people, like a malfunctioning MP3 file. Okay, because you may not know what a broken record is. If I get that. I saw some of the younger ones rolling their eyes. The two things that they would need are this. Number one, they would need to be strong and courageous in the knowledge that the Spirit of the Lord God was with them in everything that they did. And number two, they would need a hunger for the Word of God and not just to know it in their hearts, but to walk it out in everything that they did. They needed the Spirit and they needed the Word. Amen. And we talk about that all the time here at Faith Life Fellowship. We want to pass on a legacy, a heritage of the Spirit and the Word to the next generation so that they'll pass it on to the generations that will follow them. Amen? Like I said, a self-perpetuating thing. And I don't want it to be just a remnant in each generation. I want it to be the generation, the dominance of a generation. Listen, we can believe God for a dominant culture that's fighting the culture that seems dominant right now. You know, over there in Isaiah 60, Isaiah said, you know, darkness would one day cover the whole earth, but then the glory of the Lord would shine upon the people of God. It may seem dark right now, and it may seem like it's getting darker, but it may be getting darker, but the light is shining on us brighter. Amen? It's our time to rise, the Scripture says. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Our generation needs to demonstrate how embracing the Spirit and the Word can enable us to conquer the land that God has given us to conquer. Then we need to pass that legacy on to the next generation so that they can conquer the land that God has called them to conquer. Amen? Let me wrap it up with Psalm chapter 71, verse 12 through 18. 
This was written by King David. Many people believe it was written when Absalom, his son, was leading a revolt against him. He was on the run and his life was at risk. Verse 12 says, O God, be not far from me. O my God, make haste for my help. Let them be confounded and consumed that are adversaries to my soul. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor that seek my hurt. But I will hope continually and will yet praise thee more and more. My mouth shall show forth thy righteousness and thy salvation all the day. For I know not the numbers thereof. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of thy righteousness, even of thine only. Listen to this part. I tear up every time I read it. O my God, O God, thou hast taught me from my youth, and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Now also, when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not, until I have showed my strength unto this generation and the power to everyone that is to come. Amen. He wanted to make an impact on his generation and on the next generations to come. Amen. Hallelujah. I think about this. This is what comes to my mind when I read that. David was probably about 17, 18 years old when he faced Goliath with just a sling and a stone. And this is what he said. He said, you come at me with spear and sword and armor, but I come at you in the name of the Lord my God. This day will I kill you. I'll take your head off your shoulders and feed it to the birds. And oh, by the way, if I have to, I'll take on the whole Philistine army and do the same thing to them. That the whole world may know that there is a God in Israel. Think about that statement. That's a legacy. Is there a civilized culture in the world that has not heard of David and Goliath? There isn't. It is universally known. It is a story that everyone knows because David said, so the whole world may know that there is a God in Israel. And now the whole world knows whether they admit it or not that there is a God in Israel. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Woo. Glory. Notice that even during his older years, and even in the face of what looked like impending doom, David's faith in God had not waned. His testimony to the younger men and women around him was that all of his hope was in God. And David even took the whole concept of leaving a spiritual legacy to a whole new level. Even though he was getting older, his deepest desire was that the Lord would enable him to pass a legacy of the strength and power of God to his generation, to the next generation, and to the generations that would come after him. Amen. So let me wrap it up by speaking directly to the older ones among us. And you younger ones who will be older ones, listen also. But those of you who've lately started looking at yourself as older. This is the word of the Lord to you. You are not has-beens. You are not washed up. You are not used up. You need to rise up 
and be the leaders that God has called you to be. Live a legacy of the spirit and the word. Live a legacy of strength and courage and honor and the power of God. And make it your determination to pass that legacy on to the younger ones in our midst so that they can pass it on to the generations that will follow them. And let that be a perpetual thing until King Jesus comes back to earth to set up his kingdom. Listen, I want that to happen here at Faith Life Fellowship, but wherever you may be assigned, let that be the fervent desire of your heart. Amen? Amen. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching, Palm Sunday and Passing the Baton. Come visit our website at gofaithlife.com where you can learn more about us, access more of Dr. Forrest's teachings, and find Dr. Forrest's in-depth teaching notes. Also, visit and like our Facebook page at Faith Life Wilmington.